We're glad you're joining us here at Common Thread Online. This is a recording of our community gathering as we do each week to think together about the spiritual journey. At the end of the lesson, we open the floor for discussion, but we'd love to hear what you're thinking as well. On our website are directions to download our app. Once you have it, join the group. What are you thinking? We'd love to connect with you there. The significant, uh, significance of the image, the dandelion, why it's there, what it's there for, but that's a more clever minister. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> I always told my kids what they were getting for Christmas before the box was opened. Drove my wife nuts. <laughs> So here's what that dandelion is doing. It is letting go. Oh, isn't that clever by twice? That is just so clever. Deep right there, people. All right, Gene, what's going on? Pardon? All right. So let's start today by distinguishing between religion and spirituality. Spirituality is something that happens inside of us. Religion is something that happens outside of us. Religion is infrastructure. Spirituality is what happens inside of us when we participate in the infrastructure or, as you've observed as well as I have, even when we are outside of the infrastructure. So here's what religion's structure does. It helps us learn that it helps us apply important meaning-making stories. It helps us learn and then apply helpful spiritual practices. Reminds us when we forget. Religion is budgets that help us organize and calendars and people who make plans for the calendar and it's buildings for us to gather in. Religion is structure. And spirituality is experience. Expe spirituality is finding meaning. That's experience. It's connecting to something bigger than ourselves. Again, experience. It's finding inner peace. It's the experience of the deeper self and then connecting to the deeper self and then connecting to the deeper self to the broader reality that's a bigger reality. Sensing our unity with everything, everything connected. Spirituality is experience. Religion is structure. Now, in the last lesson, we ran into this guy, uh, James Fowler, who described how the religious structure supports the spiritual development. We've seen throughout history, hate that this happens, but it does happen on a recurring basis. Oftentimes, religion stops supporting spiritual expansion. Sometimes religion gets so caught up in the structures, it loses the plot line kind of misses the point. So it's tempting when that happens to reject religion, which isn't what we're doing in our community. Instead, we are trying to redeem the structures because it turns out human beings need structure. We need support. We are communal creatures. We move and we grow and we advance better when we do it together. We need the support that together affords us. So we need calendars to remind us. We need spaces to gather in. We need stories to be told to us and then retold. We need reminders. We need rhythms. We need structure. What we don't need is unhealthy structure. <clears throat> we saw last time that we've, sorry, 
We saw last time that in our current time, religion has kind of taken us up to about that third, fourth stage and then kind of discourages us from going forward. We don't need that. We don't need the religion that thwarts the process of doubting and questioning and deconstructing because doubting and questioning and deconstructing is part of how we move from secondhand spirituality to firsthand encounter. We need the extra structure when we are young, support and encouragement. Then we need the support and encouragement in a different form when we start the dismantling process later so that we can move into what Fowler called conjunctive or universal face, what, what, what we called in that lesson the everything connected spirituality. Now there's a reason that I remind us of this, the distinction between religion and spirituality. Um, could you pull the door shut? Yeah. I mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago, New Zealand Jason, he sent me uh, an email during one of the last lesson, and he said, Doug, how about some tools? Great idea, love the roadmap, love the fact that we move from the, these concrete stages of faith, move into this universalizing faith, great, wonderful, but uh, could you talk about some practical brass tacks? How does this actually work out? He didn't say it this way, but what he was saying was, what religious infrastructure, what support, and what systems would help us emerge into everything connected spirituality. He used the term an owner's manual. Well, come on. <laughs> Serve it up on a platter, Jason. <laughs> Ask the religion guy to do religion's job. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I'll just do that. So let's talk about that. All the major religions with their infrastructure, with their support systems, with their stories and with their practices and with their rhythm and with their rituals, they support a whole lot of themes and one of those is the theme of letting go. If we were Buddhists, we would talk about detaching from our unseen attachments. We would talk about dukkha, the suffering that we experience when we get all clutchy and grabby for things in our lives, stuff kinds of things, people kinds of things, plans, identities. We would talk about the pain we experience when we don't practice an open hand, when we don't practice letting go. If we were Hindus, we would talk about liberation that is afforded us by the cycle of karma, uh, birth, death, and then try it all again. We would talk about how letting go of our clutchy, grabby instincts will actually help us on our karmic journeys, how letting go of our compulsive grasping for stuff and for people and for plans for our, for our identities, how letting go of that would help us move forward on our journeys. We are, many of us, Christians, and we talk about surrender. We talk about surrendering to a reality bigger than ego, surrendering to the divine, letting go of those ego compulsions. We talk about laying down our lesser desires, recognizing that we're not in control anyway, so we can have this peace that passes understanding <laughs> if we will let go of things we don't control anyway. <coughs> Uh, if we were Muslims, similarly, the word Islam itself means submitting ourselves to the divine, letting go of the domination that comes from our egos. All of the traditions concur 
all of the traditions provide support for this counterintuitive spiritual practice of moving forward by letting go. So I'd like to give you a little bit of texture around what that word, that term, letting go, means by telling you a story about my son. Not that one. <laughs> I called him, I sent him a text yesterday, and I said, can I tell the story? And he said, oh, sure, please do. Uh, Michael is an extraordinary salesman. He has a combination of traits. He's got this inbred optimism. He's got this great capacity for communication. He practices and just naturally practices empathy. He's effective at listening. He practices honesty and integrity. That kid can sell. All the things that make someone good at selling, he's got it. And it's a blessing. It's a gift. Except the part that's a curse. <laughs> he woke up inside this personality and this personality gravitates to all those traits that make for great sales, but also gravitate to a strong desire for, a strong need for freedom, options, unlimited and unlimiting possibilities. And what that does is it makes scheduling feel like prison. <laughs> because scheduling is the antithesis of options. <laughs> calendaring, oh God, kill me now, <laughs> fixed times, daily rhythms, coming back again and again and again to work his CRM software, then waking up the next day and doing it all again, and then again and again and again, oh God, how did I become a cog in this corporate gulag? <laughs> now, when he worked with uh, simple product lines, he could shoot from the hip and get away with it. Footloose used to work for him. Because again, the kid can sell, he's got a gift, he's wired for it. But as he moves into more and more complexity, now he actually needs systems more than he needs that spontaneous uh, effervescent capacity that he brings. He needs structure more than he needs gadabout. But again, everything inside resists the prison, the gulag. Now here's the thing, everything I just told you, he knows. He can say it out loud. I've heard him say it out loud. I've heard him actually preach it to other people. <laughs> he's heard it from seminars. He've, he's had sales managers tell him it. Uh, come on, he has me as a father. The kid has heard this message. <laughs> so you can hear him say it, and he'll say it. Yep, that's what I need. Yep, if I did that, I'd have more peace. Yep. I would have fewer moments of stabbing anxiety, thinking that I've forgotten something. Oh God, what did I forget? Less generalized anxiety because there's something I should be doing that I didn't remember to do. Uh, yep, that's what I need. I really need more structure. But footloose is not something that Michael does. It's deeper than that. It's what he believes makes him him. Not at a conscious level, but at a very deep level, he believes this is the trait that makes him a good human being. So I told him recently, he was in town for a little while, we went out and got some coffee, and I said, letting go of that and doing this thing that you kind of know is the next growth frontier for you, doing that, it's not something that you're going to decide to do on a Thursday. It really is a fundamental rewiring of who you are. Everything that has made your life work, all of the triumphs and all of the big wins, 
all of those things can be tracked back to carefree and optimistic and unfettered. It's your way of making it in the world. Now here's the thing. I give you that story as texture because it's not just him. The details will change, but we've all got a narrative that we tell us, tell ourselves about ourselves that says this is who I am and this is how I make the world work. We hold on to stuff the most. We get the clutchiest and we get the grabbiest, not with silly stuff, but with stuff that has made our lives work. Now some folks have made our lives work by clutching onto material stuff, being successful in getting a number in the bank account, or getting the better stuff to purchase, or buying property in the right zip code. And nicer stuff is nicer, but there's more going on than just nice stuff. More stuff or better stuff touches a deep story inside of us, usually associated with status or how we think about ourselves, or how we think about how other people think about us, or our standing, unconscious signaling, most often not even signaling to someone else, but signaling to ourselves, yes, I have made it, yes, I am good. Or sometimes we get clutchy with relationships. Commitments are essential for healthy relationships. We make commitments to our children, and to our spouses, and to our families, and to our friends but you know that many things that we call love, many things that we call commitment, are under the surface some form of control. You usually notice that when you're experiencing it on the receiving end. <laughs> you usually don't notice it when you're perpetuating it to someone else. We are often under the guise of love or commitment or relationship chasing acceptance or seeking approval or avoiding fear or finding some f form of dependence or we get a little clingy around roles that we play. We find ourselves in the position of being parent or being provider or being friend or being supporter or being leader. And the thing is, the world needs parents and providers and supporters and leaders. But we go from giving the gift of, that we have in the form of this role to not being able to not be in that role. A good thing becomes a compulsive thing where we have a hard time not functioning in that role. I think almost every parent has felt that as their kids move toward the adult years and we start to realize I've got to stop being that for them. Now, this is stuff that we have talked about before. It's talking, we're talking about the ego self, the shadow side self, and we're talking about how we let go not just of the simple things, but the hard things, the hard things. But the point for today, and the reason I rehearsed that whole distinction between spirituality and religion is thank you religion for giving us the infrastructure to help us learn how to let go. Because whatever it's going to take, there's going to be sustained effort involved over the long haul, it takes time and it takes focused and concentrated energy to be able to let go of those core compulsions that we carry. And religion's job is to provide the scaffolding, to provide the infrastructure to help us sustain that over time. Stories that we need to be reminded of, 
stories that are told and then retold and retold so that we remember, ah, yeah, this is why I get up in the morning. Ah, yeah, this is what I bring to this life. Reminders, because we don't let go of grabbiness easily. Practices to help us learn how to let go of grabbiness, how to do it, what it feels like when we do it, how other people have done it so that we can learn from them. So again, thank you, religion, for providing structure and a roadmap to direct us, which turns out is the roadmap to the good life. The life that we really want. (coughs) The life of fulfillment, (coughs) the life of meaning, the life of purpose. The roadmap that when religion is healthy, it provides us gives us clarity and direction for lives that we want to live. It tells us how to find our way to inner peace. It tells us how to find our way into contentedness that isn't dependent upon our circumstances. It tells us how to get to the everything is connected stage of spirituality where we can live in and work toward the well-being of the whole, not just the part. And it tells us, here's how you do it. Here's how you live in it. And here's a roadmap for when you're young. Here's what you do at the early stages. You do these things. Here's a list for you to be working on. Do some compassion. That's on the list. You see someone hurting, put yourself in their shoes. And here's a Sunday school story to help you remember to do it. Go ahead, go now, practice doing compassion. And also on the list, try your best to do wisdom. You're not going to be able to do it because you're still young, but give it your best try to discern what is good, to discern what is right and noble and true, and you do that thing. Now, the trying is actually going to be transformative for you. We've done this before, so here are some stories, and here are some reminders, and here's some support, and here's some structure. Try your best to do integrity, to do honesty, to do trustworthiness, Try your best to do humility, to do service for other people, do self-reflection, do self-examination, practice doing gratitude. Here's your list. Here are your reminders. And here are the support structures to be provided for you all along the way. Because in the doing, unbeknownst to you when you're young, you will actually be rewiring. You will be building up a capacity that you're going to need not to be able to live that way. You're going to build up this capacity that you're going to need for the deconstructing of the whole damn thing later on. You can't see that from here. You're just working on your list. But that is what's going to happen when you get further along. And we've been down this path before and we will tell you eventually you're going to get to the deconstructing part of the journey where you emerge from the doing of the list stage of your spiritual journey and you become more about being. You become more about actually emerging into being compassion and being service and being wisdom. But the self-same thing that uh, you are doing now that's in your life that you work so hard to do is going to start slowly poisoning you and slowly not working. And at some point, you're going to have to start practicing dismantling of all the things that made you a success. And here's a roadmap. Here's how you get there. Here's what you do at this stage and this stage and this stage. And now's the time. Do this. Now's that. So, 
when we think about becoming compassion or becoming wisdom or becoming integrity, there is a roadmap that's been set out before us. There are systems and there are structures to help us help one another get there. This is how you do it. Now, here's the thing. We all want to go to the good life, but the good life is not the default life. The good life is not the default life. We've seen this so many times. Evolution was great for getting us to pass our genes along. Great for getting us to eat the food we needed, to hunt the berries we needed to hunt, to kill the buffalo we needed to kill. It was great for getting us to do things that kept us passing our genes along, but not so great for helping us discern the deeper meaning that our more complex brains now give us the capacity to discern. Because one of the tricks of evolution was to hardwire inside of you and inside of me clutchiness. Our brains are hardwired to hang on to our core identities, to hang on to our core beliefs, to hang on to our core value sets. We are hardwired for grabbiness. We're hardwired for hanging on to things that are good in this context, if you live on the Serengeti. They are good if you're trying to survive, very good. They're just not good enough. They're big, they're big and important, they're just not big and important enough. They don't expose us to, immerse us in a reality that we now know is there that is deeper than just getting our genes passed along. But the beauty of the wisdom traditions, all of the ones that I mentioned, ours included, is that we've seen this over the thousands of years and have developed a curriculum to help us get there. And a big part of that curriculum is what we're gonna talk about in this lesson, the art of letting go. And then what religion has given us are the support structures to help us in the art of letting go. Practices and stories and reminders and rhythms. That's going to be this lesson. Exploring the curriculum, of letting go, exploring the support structures, how we can help one another move forward by letting go. Because again, the good life is not the default life. The lives that we most want are not the lives that our evolutionary brains create. So, supporting structures. Structures to help us go against the tide of instinct, to help us go against our more base inclinations. Now quick, as we're finishing up, let me talk just a little bit about distractions. Because a big impediment to letting go, distractions. A big enemy of the good life that we want, a formidable enemy, distractions. But it doesn't sound like it, does it? Because that word, distraction, is such a benign word. <laughs> it evokes the idea of a fly buzzing in the room somewhere or a cat walking by the windowsill. Distractions, not that big a thing. Ha! I am learning Spanish. 
I am learning Spanish because I want to be able to understand my grandkids. <laughs> so 15 minutes a day, working my way through du Duolingo, I've got a 425-day streak going, people. <laughs> Somebody said to me recently, oh, learning a new language at your age. <laughs> <laughs> got to be hard. <laughs> I was not offended. <laughs> Oh, no, I said, it is not hard at all. There are only five verb endings. You learn the pattern, and it's easy. You just apply it to all the words. Okay, yeah, well, there are three kinds of verbs, and then so you, each one of them has their own five endings. So, yeah, you do have to learn. That's okay, so 15 endings, and then they just apply to all the words. Still, easy. Learn it once, applies everywhere. Oh, yeah, there is a past tense. It's got its own five endings and three kinds of verbs to have those five endings. Yeah, that's right. And then there's another past tense after that. Oh, and by the way, there are three more past tenses after that, each one with five more endings, each one with three times more words. And oh yeah, there are about a hundred words that decided not to follow any pattern for no particular reason that I can see. <laughs> each one with their own five endings times three kinds of verbs times 16 tenses but really not that hard at my age. <laughs> now, seen from one perspective, that's kind of true. It is easy. Any single part by itself, not that hard. The hard part is the volume. There are a zillion, not that hard, little things. So, 15 minutes a day, 15 minutes last year, 15 minutes a day this year, 15 minutes a day next year, and 15 minutes a day the year after that, maybe by the time these kids get to middle school, I'll be able to understand what they're saying. <laughs> Distractions sounds like that kind of thing. Sounds benign, because really, distractions are not that hard to overcome. Not that difficult to see beyond. Any individual distraction, pretty easy. But evolution brains, being what they are and doing what they do, we don't get individual distractions. We get an unbroken torrent. It never stops. One distraction after another distraction, after another, after another, after another. We get big ones. The big ones are the ones that we notice. Distractions from loss and from grief. Distractions from illness and disease. Distractions from from financial troubles or relational troubles, the big ones we noticed. But it turns out the big ones are not even the biggest problem. It's the little ones that we don't notice, like avoiding the constraints of having to live by a schedule, the distractions we don't even see because it feels like I'm a mindless cog in a corporate gulag and we don't even notice that's what's going on in our brains. The little ones like the emotional churning that goes on when someone makes a remark and we spend the next days figuring out what that remark meant and what was going on behind it or the constant replay that we do in our minds because we said or did something and now we're wondering how what we said or did was received. Those distractions, the little ones, they run under the radar and they never stop day after day after day after day. But each tiny one hijacks the growth of our souls. Because the distractingest of our distractions come from deep inside of us. 
the constant torrent comes from pre-scripted stories that we carry around in our guts, stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, stories that we tell ourselves about other people, about who can be trusted and whether they can or can't be, what the world is like, what happens to people who do this, what happens to people who do that. Think about this just as a demonstration. Somebody praises you at work or someone praises you at home or someone, a friend praises you, that is a good feeling. It's a very good feeling. We feel approved of, we feel accepted, we feel affirmed. Very good feeling. Now compare that good feeling with another good feeling, being surprised by beauty. The sun shines through a dark bank of clouds and we're caught short. Or we see a mother loving a baby, making eye contact, and we are struck by the beauty We see someone caring selflessly for an elderly person and we are struck by the compassion. Or we engage in a story, maybe it's a movie or maybe it's a book that thoroughly absorbs us. We might use the phrase getting lost in it, caught by beauty. Two good feelings. The first one has an evolutionary driver. It's a mechanism designed to keep us cooperating with the tribe. The tribe approves of us, accepts us. We get a dopamine squirt in our head to keep doing those things so that the tribe stays cohesive because we're going to pass our genes along better as a cohesive tribe than we would as a fragmented tribe. It's an evolutionary altruism. It's called, it's a survival mechanism. But the second good feeling is something else. It's something deeper. Or... Remember a good feeling that you had when you succeeded, especially when you were young and you succeeded. You won the game or you won the bet or you won the argument, whatever it was, you came out on top. That's a good feeling. Now contrast that good feeling with the good feeling that comes when we get so absorbed in a task that we forget ourselves. We're completely lost in the doing. Now again, The first one is a brain survival adaptation. The second is something else. It's something deeper. And it's the something else. It's the something deeper that the spiritual life is after. It's the deeper, the something else that letting go avails us of. Distractions are wired into our brains. They are. We are wired to compete. We are wired to cooperate. We are wired to be afraid. We are wired to have strategies to respond to being afraid. We respond by controlling ourselves or by controlling others or by controlling circumstances, by pleasing others or pleasing ourselves or tit for tatting our way into some kind of a survival safety. Our brains are just wired that way. And because they are, they spit out this constant torrent of distractions. You better do this. You better worry about the thing you didn't do. You better do that. You better think this way. You better act this way. This is what good people do. This is how you ought to be going. This is, and we churn our way over and over and over and over again, day after day, in a never-ending torrent because brains all day, every day, never ending, constant distraction from the journey to our deeper selves. 
Now, the curriculum of religion, the structure, the support, the systems, is about that. So this week, maybe we start this lesson by just noticing. Maybe this would be a good exercise. Maybe you'll want to get out your phone right now and set yourself a reminder to watch. Watch yourself. Observe how many of your actions and how many of your thoughts and how much of your energy derives from that evolutionary adaptation brain. How much of what we're doing is chasing approval or chasing success or trying to mount some control or trying to gain some acceptance? Notice. Just notice. Don't judge it. Don't be harsh on it. Particularly don't be harsh on it. But also notice how many times you experience that second category. Captured by something that's beautiful. <coughs> Captured by something that is true or good or noble. Caught up in a moment of self-forgetfulness. Maybe this week we just notice how many times were our moments lived in survival programming and how many of our moments were lived not not driven to play the part that our personalities insist they play not driven to play the part that our families insisted we play or that our friends expect us to play or that our job expects us to play how many times are we not driven by our identities i am a provider i provide I am a mother, I am a caregiver, I am a crusader. How many times does it happen this week that we are not driven by our identities, by our needs, by our desires, by our fears? So that's the assignment this week. Just notice. Next time, we'll talk about the curriculum. We'll talk about what we do and what we help one another do to master the art of letting go. Choosing the better life is hard. It goes against the brain. It goes against the tide. We're going to need support. Choosing the good life is a lifelong endeavor. It'll be something we're working on last year and this year and next year. And it won't even matter when the kids get to middle school. <laughs> we'll still be doing it till the day we die. So we need one another. We need rhythm. We need a reminder. We need structure. We need support. We need community and we need encouragement. That's what we'll be talking about in this lesson. So in Dwelling Divine, may it be an experience for us. May it be that we live in this healthy form of religion that supports this spiritual life, this spiritual journey. Amen. Well, if you would, uh, hold on just a second. If you would, please uh, prepare your offerings. Uh, we are almost to the place where our move in expenses are spent. We need to do a couple of things up for lighting in here because it doesn't work so well with the live stream. But I, I don't think that's going to be as expensive. We've spent a pretty good chunk I think about twice what we figured it would take to do. So we just got two more uh, projects, some lighting and some lumber. That's about all it's going to take. So we are a little bit behind in our monthly giving, but mostly we've just been spending uh, a, a truckload. So if you are behind in your giving, this would be a good time to catch up. Uh, this would be a good time to uh, 
do what we say all the time. Remember that there is good return when we invest in community. We invest our time and energy and love and our dollars. The community amplifies those resources and gives them back to us in a form of in community in which we thrive and flourish and grow. So, top of our website, donate button, everybody gives there now. So, <coughs> in a moment, I'm going to open the floor and we're going to talk together. Those of you who are uh, online, uh, we would invite you to do the same. Uh, we've got a Zoom. It's on the front page of our website. If you go there and click on what are you thinking uh, on Zoom, it'll take you right to the link and you'll be asked for a password and the password is 1478. 1478. 1417. <laughs> 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 now you actually know how to get into my alarm in my house. <laughs> 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 We might want to think about changing the alarm, dear. <laughs> One, four, one, seven. <laughs> All right. Let's dismiss the folks <laughs> that are uh, uh, on the live stream. If you would, please put your hand on your heart. And let's remember as we go that we are, every one of us, carriers of the indwelling divine. Every one of us carries love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. We carry uh, the evidence of Christ in us. That's a very old-fashioned phrase, but we sang it earlier today. That reality within us, uh, we've got it. Well, if you would extend your other hand to our city, let's look for opportunities to share what's already in us with the people that we live and work and go to school with, looking for opportunities to repair and heal our worlds. Amen. God bless you all. You are dismissed. If these recordings help you move forward on your spiritual journey, we hope you'll take an ownership stake in the community and support the health and well-being of the community. Go to our website, commonthreadchurch.org. The donate button is right there on the top. Thank you.